everybody, and welcome to What's Up With That Bro? It's the podcast where we're watching the TV show Lost uh, in reverse order, from the last episode to the first episode with Chad, and he's never seen Lost before. Uh, except for all of the episodes that I had to watch when we were recording this podcast. And also, the, there were a couple of times where I had to watch it like well before we recorded. Yeah, yeah, uh, but you're not watching episodes while we're recording. No, no, not while we're recording. And I didn't watch any uh, during the time that the show was actually on television. Yeah, and that's the important thing. Yeah, and I'm also another one of your bros on the show, AJ. Today we're going to be actually talking a little bit about... Uh, Lost, Season 5, Episode 6, entitled 316. <laughs> so, in 2007, having recruited Sun Quan, Jack Shepard, and Ben Linus, they all find their way to return to an island, to the island, the island. Ooh. And Jack makes a last-ditch effort to recruit the other Oceanic Six. Uh, we also have a special guest. <laughs> yes, let's go ahead oh, and introduce right, our yeah, guest sorry. tonight. <laughs> and, I'm, ladies I'm, and gentlemen, let us introduce the one, the only, Nick Murray! Hey. Hey. Uh, I am the contest winner. I want a contest <laughs> to be on the show. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, that's why you guys should be following us on Twitter. Because if you're not, you're missing out on great opportunities to win contests. <laughs> no. I want a contest. Much like Chad, uh, I am essentially Chad Prime. Because <laughs> this is the very first episode of Lost that I've ever been on. Or I've ever, I've ever watched at all. I have to admit, I was really bummed. Because John Locke is not in this episode. And I was... I mean, he's sort of in this episode. John Locke's body. I was very upset, though, because I know a lot of shit about John Locke, the philosopher. (laughs) And I was ready to talk about John Locke and the second treatise on government and the social contract. I was ready to lay... I was ready to look so smart, you guys. We could still still get into that. Also, uh, much like uh, that John Locke, this one's dead. (laughs) They have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. A lot. Well, a lock in common. Ah. <laughs> okay, so I don't know where you guys want to jump off from, but there's a lot going on. There's heavy exposition dumps in this episode, uh, which is kind of fun. There's a lot of things going on before we get a lot of stuff happening. But maybe we can kind of talk about the, I guess, towards the, the opening scene. I thought it was kind of fun that... I guess maybe we can talk about the scenery first. It was kind of fun to see uh, the setting set in a church. And right underneath the church was that Dharma spot. Yeah, that was the lamppost. And it was, yeah. So the lamppost, which is heavily based in science. So we see these two things kind of melding, which kind of happens a lot in the show. So we have a church on top and a scientific research facility <laughs> beneath, which is very strange. Yeah. I'm willing to bet that this inspired a lot of uh, Locke and Jack fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, man. And some of it, I think we all could probably write right now like yeah. um you know we'll get back to it Excellent. we'll hit you guys yeah. up with a link it's like you put the man of faith on top and the man of science on, on the bottom yeah that's where i was going oh, okay. with that <laughs> yeah, I, I assume that they just that they just switch right like at first turns. the man of faith was on top right you know making the man on bottom like drink hemlock or, or whatever <laughs> and then it eventually switches right yeah hell yeah. yeah and now faith is being dominated by science <laughs> <laughs> I love the dialogue in this episode. It was a fun one. Um, we get a lot of stuff from between a lot of characters. A lot of it kind of shifts between Jack and whoever else he's speaking to. But I kind of was really digging a lot of the Jack and Ben scenes they had, especially the Doubting Thomas uh, portion, where they kind of got a little into that. But I really did get into that. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on, on the whole relations between characters? I kind of hate Jack. <laughs> He's my least favorite character on the show. Uh, because not only... It, he always just feels like sort of a wet blanket kind of uh, guy. Mm. And additionally, there's the fucking love rectangle. Which we didn't have to deal with too much in this episode. Except, you know, uh, he hooked up with Kate. And then afterwards at the airport, he kept throwing furtive longing glances at her. <laughs> I'm like, you just boned! Knock it off. <laughs> I love that TV shorthand where it's just them kissing and then afterwards it's like them waking up in the morning and he's like making breakfast or whatever. I mean, for all we know, she might have just like slipped him a Mickey. Right? He's waking up like, Ugh. we do it last night? She's like, yeah. We totally did yeah. it. We totally did it. No, her whole thing was like, time. you must never ask me if we did it last night. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so I've never seen the show. Jack, like, is he supposed to be Keanu Reeves? 
Because he has that sort of like tabula rasa, like blank <laughs> slate kind of blank look yeah. on his face and everything. Like it was really easy to identify with him and, and what he was going through because he had like zero actual personality. Yeah. And everyone's just explaining stuff to him yeah. the whole episode. Yeah. So which he... which I appreciated because I also needed a lot of stuff explained <laughs> to me while watching this. Yeah, he's essentially the Neo this episode. Yeah. Like, just quietly sit and wait for everybody to give you exposition of what's going on. And he always it. he always looks he has the look on his face like if somebody's like scolding him for doing something <laughs> he's not supposed to just sort of like oh, oh okay <laughs> okay like this old british woman is like you need to do this jack and he's like oh, 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 oh okay so we, need, wait, we need to go back to the okay okay yeah I'll go back to the island. That's fine. okay i'll do that like i'm just gonna keep wearing the same suit over and over and over again like i'm skeeter from doug <laughs> wear the same, or i guess anybody from doug yeah, it's like really. a closet yeah. full of skeeter suits or whatever suit he was wearing skeeter suits it sounds like it sounds like a the lost serial killer episode of doug is no. roger wearing his skeeter suit like hey funny <laughs> it's that like that, that black jacket and white t-shirt and weird exactly. like creamed comb over thing. <laughs> I don't know why I said creamed comb, comb creamed, over. Creamed comb. Because it's a Skeeter suit. Yeah. <laughs> huh? Okay, in that show, we, Skeeter was black, right? Was Skeeter black? I definitely I got the feeling that Skeeter was black. He was huh. like blue? Well, yeah. he was blue, okay. but... He was blue, but like... Oh, but I think maybe maybe it's because Panthro was also blue and mm-hmm. was clearly coded as ah, black and had like a black voice actor. Yeah, maybe I it was Skeeter's yeah. dad. Wait, so what was the green guy supposed to be? Roger? I always assumed he was like like that shitty redneck white bully, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> what they they the way they dressed Roger. Well, if we could just touch on that for like a second, it was almost like fifties greaser. It was, yeah. yeah. It was like that leather jacket, jeans, and like those like black... the light blue jeans, yeah. black yeah. shoes, mm-hmm. and then like that slick back, whatever hair he had, red hair. Yeah, he was. He definitely had like a real like Kaniki vibe, right? <laughs> Couldn't quite pull off Danny Zuko, but yeah. like had that yeah, Kaniki yeah. <laughs> like, look at those cuff, look at those cuff denim jeans. <laughs> there. How wonderful! And, and there was like just a, a shitty white thing. trash kid that wants to be James Dean. Exactly. <laughs> And there was like a weird thing between him and uh and BB, BB Buell. Kind of remember. Who was like BB? she was like the Lisa Turtle of oh. the thing. She didn't have a lot of personality, she but was she was the lesser rich. petty nannies. <laughs> exactly, the yeah. Okay. All right, for anybody not knowing what that is, please Google Doug Funny. <laughs> she she was like the Veronica <laughs> to Patty Mayonnaise's Betty. I can barely remember that show. I don't yeah. remember BB, but I do remember, I remember Roger so much. I take it back. Roger definitely wouldn't be the serial killer. It would be Doug Funny's neighbor. (laughs) The purple guy with like the rounded teeth. He definitely, I forgot what his name was. He's like an inventor. He wears sweaters. Classic serial killer. Like warning sign. All right. So speaking about warning signs, Mm. we are giving an expressed warning by like uh, Eloise Hawking. Well, she's not so much warning as she is like informing the group has shown up to this room. There's a, there's a a pendulum swinging in this room. Right. It looked like they walked into Neil deGrasse Tyson's living room. (laughs) Like all of a sudden they walk into this room there's this gigantic pendulum swinging. Yeah. And then there's like every kind of equation that you could imagine oh, on yeah. a blackboard. The chalkboard yeah. full of equations. It's just like, science is done here. Yeah. <laughs> like, so just like how a church would have shorthand, like, this is a church. Like, you see all kind of vivid imagery or biblical imagery on the walls in the form of portraits yeah. or whatever downstairs. You just have equations and... Well, that's interesting because uh, it was really church-like. Oh, right? Yeah. I mean, it was it was built... It had these big, like, sloping, sort of, like, yurt-like uh, <laughs> ceilings yeah. with, like, the all the uh, all the light coming down straight from above. It looked kind of like stained glass because the ground was... Um, was had like all these like colorful tiles with all these big designs and if you go into a lot of mm. older churches right, right the floors have these beautiful designs especially in like in rome and stuff mm. and so it, it really did evoke like a certain sort of mysticism yeah there was a strong there's a very strong feeling of mysticism in, in in that church or in that mm. church setting and especially and the pendulum really reminded me of like you go to catholic services have you guys ever been where they like swing the incense oh. back yeah. and forth like i definitely got like a vibe yeah yeah no that, that yeah now that you say it i kind of can see how that would be how that would play into into the whole thing it was kind of neat like we get this huge exposition dump from uh, Eloise Hawking in that in that one spot where she's explaining that 
this island moves right. and it moves a lot. And uh, there was a man who thought he was clever, who devised a way to find where the island would move to, as opposed to like people trying to find out where the island was. Right. And that uh, this site was built over an electromagnetic pocket yes. that uh, is connected to the other electromagnetic pockets that uh, the island moves around to. Right. So apparently there's a bunch of them, right, throughout the island sky. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's all connected because that's how electromagnetism works. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel yeah. like the writers of this show uh, also ended up helping write miracles for ICP. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, most of the time I was watching the show, all I could think was, how does this work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, I think the Chinese, they've been teleporting stuff to space using electromagnetism. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, yeah they were they teleported a... a like a photon. Yeah, like a photon or something, some sort of very small particle. Right, I yeah. remember hearing about that. And I think it's can... all electromagnetic based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is loss is real. Yeah. And China it, will the, eventually the science prove checks that loss <laughs> is yeah. fully real. Yeah. yeah, and I think we've discussed it a little bit, but I think the, a lot of the, the writers went through, I wouldn't say great pains, but they went through a lot <laughs> to kind of try and showcase... I guess an accurate scientific portrayal of all the stuff that they kind of did. You covered. say inaccurate or inaccurate? <laughs> that's real difference. Yes, I think I think they definitely like put some work in to make it sound like to make it easy for people to buy into it. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't actually mean anything or make any fucking yeah. sense. But <laughs> they use enough words, and the woman who's saying it is older <laughs> and British, so it's it's really they make it really easy for you to just go like. Yeah, okay, fuck it, sure. Yeah, okay, the island's moving, and you can't look at where the island is or where it's been. You have to look at where it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like It sounds if, just sciencey and mystical enough. Right, yeah. but then you say it with a British accent, and boom, gravitas right, right. there for everybody. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I can get on board with She her. was really condescending. Oh, and yeah. At, and at first, I was kind of like, like I said, like, I definitely took Jack's side early on. And at first, I was really offended that she's being so condescending. And then as the episode went on, I was like, oh, no, wait, Jack's kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> she probably just has to talk to him yeah. that way. <laughs> right. It's just a lot. It's like, it's just a few notes shy of her just smacking his hands going, no. Right. And not like, like and that. how often she, like, said his name. <laughs> like, I've, I've, like, I don't think I've said any of your names, right. like, the entire hour and a half <laughs> so far that we've been hanging out. And she's just like, no, Jack, that's the way it's supposed to be, Jack. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> just slowly lulling him into exactly. like a... Yeah, it's the same way that they say that you have to talk to Donald Trump to keep his attention. <laughs> <laughs> you need right, to keep well, mentioning his name. Like Jack now. <laughs> yeah. So that would also explain why he kept talking about building that wall. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why he wanted to go back to the island. (laughs) That does sound like something Jack would say. So wait, they have all this stuff happening. I guess Eloise told them that there are certain coordinates that the plane will fly over at that point. They should be able to return to the island. So that kind of gives us some gobbledygook explanation as to how they can get back. (laughs) It's just kind of fun. But she also tells them that they have to recreate as much as they can, the original crash, or recreate as much as they can, having as much of the people from the original mm-hmm. crash there, and then recreating the circumstances, even to the point of um, having a stand-in for Jack's dead father. Did I read that right? Yeah. She yeah, mentioned that. Right? Yeah. That's yeah, she said you have to point. give him something that belonged to your dead father. Yeah, but specifically, you have to give John Locke something that belonged to right. your dead father. Right, and in that case, we found it was the shoes that he got from his grandfather, which is so weird because we've never seen the grandfather in the whole series up until this point. Right. And his only purpose is to... Is to be a, yeah. a vehicle for the shoes. Right, yeah. right. Like, Otherwise, like, how, like he could have yeah. just like go into his closet and grab his dad's shoes or something. <laughs> the silliest part about that is that, right, so he goes and visits his grandfather... And then he's unpacking his granddad, and he keeps calling his his grandfather granddad over. Like, every sentence, Mm. he calls him granddad. Which is, like, what do you guys call your, like, grandfather? Grandpa. Just grandpa, grandpa, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I also grandpa, don't address like, him that much. Yeah, or like peepums, <laughs> like something like that. I've never, like, but granddad. But anyways, so he eventually finds his dad's shoes in his grandfather's suitcase. And the silliest part about this is he seems really shocked. Who like, for the first time in the ass? episode, he, like, reveals emotion. And he's just like, <laughs> what are these? <laughs> he's like, oh, those are your father's shoes. And he's like, what? It's like, dude, were you just on an island? 
Didn't your flight just disappear? Wasn't there a smoke monster and shit? Like, why is the presence of these shoes the most shocking (laughs) thing you can imagine? Yeah, I think think Jack is starting to learn, like, oh my shit. I think he's just easily (laughs) amused by most things. Even though he's been through, like, incredible things (laughs) up until this point. He's just like, what? My grandfather has my dad's <laughs> shoes? Yeah. But you guys have never even met before. Like, no. It's like uh, how uh, paper cuts hurt worse than uh, like really bad wounds. Because oh. it's all very surface level. Because that's all that affects Jack. Oh. <laughs> it's very surface level things. Yeah. After Jack gets this whole spiel of what he has to do and what he needs to do, I don't know. Did you think it was kind of weird that Eloise kind of pulled him aside from the rest of the group? Why is Jack special? Oh, or is because Jack he's the special? main character. Well, yeah. from this episode, I can say he is definitely not special. <laughs> like, there's nothing special about him. Oh, he's special, but in a different way. <laughs> but It seems so odd because she never says, like, it's just, like, cuts to the next scene and then they're just talking alone. There's no bit where she's like, oh, Jack, I need to talk to you alone. And then they leave everyone else. Nice. What's interesting is that the kind of balding guy with the blood all over his face that for some reason he never washed it off. Yeah, Ben, (laughs) he like, he got jealous. Like he showed he was jealous when they talked on the plane Mm -hmm. that that, uh, Jack talked to the the, woman, the Kmart. Came our blue light special version of M from James Bond. <laughs> like, he showed you himself, but you think you could throw in the show something where she's like, Jack, I need to talk to you. <laughs> and then everyone else is like, why the fuck does she need to talk to him? <laughs> Does, doesn't she realize that he's essentially a crash test dummy in a suit? Like, <laughs> I do like that they have Desmond in, in that room, in that scene, who is playing the... Um, the opposing side, because it would be so strange if everybody in that room was just on board to jump to some magical coordinates and mm-hmm. hop back in time or find some magical island. But Desmond is there for a different purpose, and his is just to deliver a message and to tell Jack that, like, yo, stop getting played. These people are playing you. They play everybody. And right. it keeps coming back where you never know. People are being manipulated throughout the show, throughout the series. We've kind of seen that a lot, too. Yeah, it's just a bunch of... Uh people trying to puppet master each other around and people getting puppet mastered while they think that they're puppet mastering someone else. And to continue the wrestling theme, he definitely called Jack brother. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely a strong, like pro wrestling theme throughout this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. Also, he said he told Eloise that the people on the Island need her help and only she can help them. I've watched the rest of the series right. after this. She doesn't really help them. <laughs> she does um, not. She helps them get to that bomb in the 70s? No. Yeah, in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Yeah. That's 100. Yeah, but, that's, yeah, but uh, that was the younger <laughs> version of her before she was told that only she can help them. So could she? Yeah. is she the only one that could retroactively help them? <laughs> but then she's means. already helped them. Yeah. I hate this shit. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she was right when she says, I'm helping right now. And she was right by putting them on the plane. No. Okay, yeah, that works. Uh, we, we were talking about one of the one of the most interesting things is when Jack is talking to the the older lady, and I see like in the background there's a painting. I'm like, what is this painting? Because I love seeing art and paintings in in TV shows and movies because mm. they often choose like the weirdest <laughs> art because it's not it's hardly ever the director, right? Unless it's right. Stanley Kubrick, mm. they, most mm. directors aren't that intense. So it's like a set decorator who's like. Fuck it. I really like Guernica. <laughs> I'm going to put it in everything I do. But then they, they eventually, it zooms in on the painting, right? And it turns out it's uh, it's the Apostle Thomas, right? I'm Which so is, glad you brought this up. I, I, I could <laughs> talk forever on this, but keep going. Please. It's so neat because it's, I mean, that's like the origin of the doubting Thomas, right? Because Thomas, okay, I don't know a lot about Christianity, <laughs> but for some reason I knew about this one, right? Where Thomas is like, like, they're telling him about the resurrection. He's like, nah. nah. <laughs> like, nah. That, that sounds like some bullshit. Right. Now, right. Like, no, seriously. He in died and came back. He's like, man, nah. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> in yeah. the Bible, does he actually stick his hand inside of Jesus's wound? Jesus takes his hand and places it into the wound. Oh. So, which, is so, which is like something out of like a John Carpenter movie or something. <laughs> like, I wanted some sweet synth music to start playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm totally on board with you there. It is kind of fun. This is Ben's appeal to Jack to get him to come back Mm. to the island because he knows that Jack is a man that does not like to be controlled, although he spends most of this episode being crazy (laughs) controlled. Yeah, he just accepts 
everything anybody tells him at any point. Right. So in this particular scene, this is Ben making a making appeal to Jack to like, yo, you know, and he makes he makes it very clear. And at the end of that Doubting Thomas story, he even says, we're all convinced sooner or later, Jack. So he kind of he just tells him that, yeah, he, he, one way or the other, you're going to you're going to do this thing. Do you remember the question that Jack asked before the Doubting Thomas story? No. Because I don't remember exactly what the question was, was like, but that was the not the fucking answer. I believe it was... Um, it wasn't even an oblique reference to what the answer to his question would have been. It was just like he wanted to like get into some Doubting Thomas story. He's like, yeah. <laughs> like, he's just like, I have a story that I need to tell you in order for me to try and get you to do what I want you to do. If I remember correctly, it was something like he came up from meeting alone with Eloise and um, I think Ben asked him like uh, what is it that she wanted you to do and he says it doesn't matter yeah and then he goes into the Doubting Thomas story but yeah I, yeah, I don't know yeah I'm not too sure but I guess he, he gets that old Doubting Thomas story like he's um, just like yeah alright I see where you're going with this <laughs> right. so. but the, the weird thing about the Doubting Thomas story is that Thomas had to like touch Jesus's wounds and actually like, put <laughs> his hands in like the place where the spear of destiny speared him right right and then he like believed it but like that's such that's yeah. kind of a crazy thing right wouldn't seeing the wounds like be enough did you only have to like touch them <laughs> i think this is this whole thing that 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 happened this whole bible analogy that they're kind of well not analogy but this whole bible thing the story that happened it's it's uh it's one where if we can talk about the story for just a second like the apostle thomas he is an apostle he is an apostle of jesus meaning that he is in close company with jesus right. for whatever amount of time and all this stuff. So he was with Jesus and he's seen him probably do a lot of great things. And I wonder if he was there with, when Jesus raised Lazarus. I wonder. Right? Because Lazarus came back from the dead. So you'd think like, why would it be that crazy if you saw that? Exactly. Yeah. But in this particular case, just, I guess as Ben kind of mentions, like like uh, Thomas just couldn't wrap his head around this particular situation. Because... Yeah. Earlier, uh, Ben mentions that that Thomas was was mentioned saying that like um, you know that, that Jesus wouldn't die or something like that, and then um, he does, and um, just Thomas just refuses to believe that this is Jesus or whatever at this time until Jesus physically grabs Thomas mm -hmm. and takes his hand to to where the wounds are. In this case, Thomas believes, but he actually it took something, it took a thing for him to believe this, which is him feeling in the wound. So I guess the relating it back to Jack is it's gonna take something for him to do this. And he kinda has this leap of faith mm -hmm. that Eloise is talking about when he takes the shoes and puts it on lock because this up until this point I believe it's very un out of character for John um, for Jack. Well I think, so I think what might work with this is that I think that you know human beings definitely have a sense of needing to, to touch things in order to sort of believe them right like it's like it's like in those videos when soldiers like come home and surprise people the people that they surprise always sort of like really hesitantly reach out like right like You're they're right. afraid yeah. that if they if they that their hand is just going to go right through them and it's not until you come in contact with somebody mm. that you realize like oh this is real and so in that mo that that might be sort of like the doubting Thomas thing, right? He's like, I'm not sure this is Jesus. I'm not sure that you're even real, right? You could be a, a spirit or a, a trick by the devil or something. And I think that there is something through through this in the episode of of Jack touching things and then having them be sort of more more real. Yeah, right. The it situation becomes with more the real shoes when he touches and the, the envelope. Shoes. Right, and the um, right. and the John Locke being dead. Spoiler alert! Right, <laughs> becomes more real when he touches the envelope, and even like Kate becomes more real when they touch and they kiss. Yeah, right before that's... then he kind of like is separated from her and is talking to mm -hmm. her and is like where's where's this guy who's that and then they kiss and all of a sudden reality sinks in that she kate is actually here with him i like that comparison i really do yeah. like that's 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 actually pretty cool like to to see that but yeah you're right like humans do do make their way through existence through a lot of touch that's like mm -hmm. one of the you know one of the factors which senses. is why i kissed each of you when, <laughs> before we started to make sure that we're not holograms yeah. to make sure that you're not holograms yeah. yeah if anybody is wondering we all have really big red lipstick kisses right on our cheeks <laughs> granted to us by one nick murray so it's true know, it's 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 our pleasure basically <laughs> 
Well, that reminds me, we have to take a picture to put on our Instagram before we leave tonight. <laughs> All right. We have an Instagram now. <laughs> yeah, please follow us on Instagram at WhatBroPod. What, what Pod. Sweet. You can also follow us on Twitter. Yeah, so there's there's all that. All we, that. we mentioned uh, Kate uh, and then Jack asking, uh, where is Jack Aaron? Kate tells him, don't ever ask me that. I will go back to the island with you, but don't ever ask me what happened to Aaron. Right. And it's like played up as this really heavy moment uh-huh. where you're just like, oh my God, what did she do? Because she's oh, like crying <laughs> and like, it's just like, wow, that's really heavy. Right. And you would never think that she just uh, gave the kid to the kid's grandmother. Yeah. yeah and Wait, this... that's what happened? Right. Yeah. Aaron I is thought she, her like... son. Or... Oh. Not her son. I thought not it was son, like but... a dude who like beat her up or something. I thought <laughs> no. it was like a grown man that did something <laughs> terrible to her and she's like, don't The way that scene me. plays out, you would I would, I wouldn't, I would think that exact same thing uh-huh. if I haven't seen anything from this show. But and it's so weird because then like they kiss... And she's crying. Have you ever kissed somebody while they're crying? It's not great. Like no. they're not focused no, 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 no. on the smooching. Oh no! Right? Like their fu- their attention is not fully on you. And it's not. It's never like movie crying. There's snot involved. There's snot involved. And like and look, I know dry lips are never a good thing. But like I've kissed I've kissed people while they're crying. And, but you kiss like, snot lips. No, 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 it's not like tears. And then it's like salty. And it's like, it's like the salt from your tears is mixing really weird with your Dr. Pepper chapstick. Like, this is just... Wait, so does that make that, does that make that whole scenario worse or better? Because like, you're like, you're connecting with this person. It's kind of a weird thing, right? But then like, I don't know, man, like you're tasting tears. I think that's, that's a weird thing, but it's also kind of interesting. It's... It's poetic, but keep in mind that there are a lot of really, like, gross, weird poems <laughs> out there. Like, not all poems are happy, right? Like, yeah. Emily Dickinson was still out there. Goodness. Yeah. No, totally. Well, we, should we... So she's crying and she doesn't reveal. And it's supposed to be this thing where the audience doesn't know what happens. We know what happens. Because which, we watch the show backwards. Right. Yeah. And it's not... Like like Chad mentioned, it's not that big of a thing. But it kind of it kind of does inform one other thing on... on I guess the character of Jack were this is not this is like this is another leap of faith that he takes in this character because mm. I guess he has enough trust in her to like believe that she wouldn't do anything to this child, <laughs> you know, or if the child was no longer living or he's, like, horny enough that it doesn't yeah. really matter. <laughs> yeah. She's like, don't ask me what happened to my son. And he's okay. like, he's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. He just okay. wants to make sure that he's not, like, there so that they can bone. Well, he yeah. doesn't want to yeah. ruin the mood, right? <laughs> yeah. like, to be fair, like, you at least would want to be like, he's not, like, waiting in the car, right? Like, <laughs> you have a little bit of time. It's just a miner sitting in a very yeah. hot car. It's nighttime, but it's yeah. still way, way hot. <laughs> I also want to say that, like, when she comes in, we don't see her, right? He's, like, walking through his oh, apartment, yeah. and you just hear footsteps, and it's dark. And at first, I'm like, oh, someone's going to try to murder him. Grab a knife. And he doesn't, <laughs> I, I guess, because he's not used to bad things That's happening. That's what I thought. <laughs> don't, what are you doing? Grab a weapon grab, or grab something. Grab a knife or something. Grab, like, a like a rolling pin yeah. or something. Grab a sock. Make a fake sock puppet. <laughs> Get, make know. a sock puppet. Like, I'm a diversion. <laughs> <laughs> And then Shoot they blow, this one! I can they lose blow a off your hand like RoboCop, <laughs> and then you're gonna go back to the island, but this time you're RoboCop. <laughs> but it turns out the smoke monster is ED209. Stairs, the greatest the enemy. Looks at the stewardesses, says "bitches leave," and it's that turns into a thing. But so, like, he just knows somebody's in the apartment, and he goes into the bedroom, and he just sees somebody lying on the bed, not no. saying anything, and I'm like. She dead now? Because <laughs> he goes and he like asks her a question and she doesn't like move. Like, is she asleep or dead? <laughs> and she was just, I don't know, taking an unearned dramatic pause. Yes, she I, was. I actually didn't even recognize Kate at first, and I'm like, Me oh either. shit, is this the uh, the the kid that uh, uh, I thought wasn't real? <laughs> Lying in his bed and it's dead. Yeah, I, that's a whole I, thing. A that's a... Oh, there, there's a parallel universe later in the show where uh, he has a child that uh, we have frequent arguments on whether or not the child existed in our reality. <laughs> yeah, because Jack never Wait, met him. I was going to say our reality. Alive. This is a TV show. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, 
So I thought I thought they gave a little time to the whole shoe thing, that whole shoe plot line. Like we mm-hmm. kind of talked about it already, but um, I guess Jack kind of goes into the story a little bit more, or he. Wait, mis- how did they describe that bunny? Because they described the bunny. Oh, oh okay. yeah. So when, when he goes and visits Freddy granddad, cat right? There's like they're at a they're at a very nice old folks home, yeah. and there's a magician. <laughs> and first of all, this seems really weird because Freddy they, cat. Yeah, yeah Freddy, Freddy cat. cat. Yeah, Freddy cat bunny. Yeah, which has okay. We'll, we'll get hold of this. So they go in, and there's a guy performing magic, and there are a bunch of old people in chairs watching. And then there's a table of food, but the table <laughs> of food is like between the magician and the people there. And I'm like, oh, that part, is that's part of the bad show. planning. Fuck yeah, because I anybody saw that. who wants to go get a cookie or something has to like get up and be like, sorry, everybody, I really just need to get down yeah. on this oatmeal raisin cookie. My sugar level is so low exactly. right now. Exactly. I, I think it maybe, was props for the show. Yeah, like uh, he made the food appear. Oh, <laughs> magical. See, that would be impressive. But so he called like the, the scaredy cat or frady cat bunny and it was in like a weird ass yeah. glass case where I didn't see any holes <laughs> in it for the bunny to breathe. So I was looking at that. I was like, "Fuck, this has to mean something." But what I do you don't think know it means? anything about this. I don't know. Is somebody scared and in a glass case? <laughs> I don't think. I don't think Matthew Fox is a good enough actor in this episode uh-huh. to really show scared. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. but like. Is he supposed to be scared in this episode? Because, like, nobody really seems scared. They all seem yeah. pretty resigned. Right. And you kind of see that with her. Why would you in this weird bunny <laughs> and specifically say that this bunny is a, a very scared bunny? And more it, so than other bunnies. Nice. That bunny is not faced the audience. It's faced away from the right. audience. That's, and how, it's, that's and it, how scared it is. Yeah. And it's got these wide, wide black pupils that yeah. are just sitting there. And that, that bunny does look scared. I feel almost like... The director is like, I don't know what we're gonna do. This this bunny, this is the only bunny we got. Yeah. People are gonna think it's weird if we don't address how scared this bunny is. <laughs> like, there's a magician on stage and just a terrified bunny in this scene. It's this very bunny obvious. is not an actor. It's very uncomfortable right now. This bunny. <laughs> but yeah, there's that that whole thing that happens between them. I I don't know. I don't know what to make of the grandfather, except for maybe. There's a connection between him and maybe all the sh- all the people that are part of the Shepherd family. Yeah. Doesn't he seem kind of young to be Jack's grandfather? Yeah, yeah he doesn't look like that much dad. older than Christian. Yeah, because uh, he's played by Raymond J. Barry. And, that guy like yeah. plays a lot of assholes in yeah. movies, right? Yeah, and he's seventy eight. And John Terry, who plays uh, Christian Shepherd, Jack's dad, is seventy three. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's oh my five God. years older than. Well, okay, not to Jack's bring it dad. back all the way to the Golden Girls. <laughs> Look, all roads lead to the to the Golden Girls, <laughs> right? The Golden but Estelle Getty was only one year older than B. Arthur <laughs> what? when when they started filming, and I guess when they ended. Yeah, filming, I guess because it's not like B. Arthur's living in space and aging slower. <laughs> and Holy anything. crap! There was no relativistic physics yeah, there was involved a, in I mean, filming okay, up the Actually, Golden you know Girls. what? I take that back. Mm. B. Arthur was a lot taller than Estelle Getty. So she was aging oh, yeah. ever so slightly slower <laughs> than Estelle <laughs> who, let's be honest, is very close to yeah. the ground. Oh, yeah. Well, how much older is her character? Oh, she's her mom. Oh, she's her mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I assume, I think she said she had her when she was young, but maybe early 20s? Mm, probably not even early 20s. It was probably late teens. Oh. No, because when she was in the late teens, she was still living in Sicily. Well, she was 16 when she was living in Sicily with that guy. Oh, was she only 16? <laughs> yeah. She didn't say when she left exactly. But That's when true. she was talking about being with that guy, she was 16 at the time. Huh. Ah, interesting. Huh. Anyway. Anyways, um, back to law. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I really wanted to point out about the show is when they find themselves on the island mm. after, uh, you know, all the plane flash time, whatever. Hurley is uh, drowning and Jack goes to save him by uh, diving off a cliff uh-huh. into a... Uh, into a Lake? A lagoon, they call it? Lagoon? Okay, sure. Yeah, that was really weird that Hurley, like, specifically called a lagoon. Can any of you guys define (laughs) what a lagoon is right now? I always thought a lagoon is connected to the ocean. Yeah, I just thought it opened up in the ocean. Yeah, I always thought lagoons were, like, essentially, like, big pools in swamps or marshes. Mm -hmm. But I really can only identify a lagoon if it's black and there's a creature. Yeah, I can only identify lagoons if they're blue and it's got, like, brook shields. (laughs) 
or or if it's a lagoon, if, because we're in Waikiki Beach and it's just <laughs> filled with the pee of <laughs> thousands of like howly toddlers. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, that that seems about right. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so Jack dives off the cliff into this lagoon, yeah. and he uh, saves Hurley from drowning, and he tells Hurley, "You can stand up." <laughs> but it's but it, so it's the exact same joke as Robin Hood Men in Tights. Not only is it the exact same joke as Robin Hood Men in Tights, but Jack dives off a cliff yeah. into <laughs> I, water that he could stand up it's in. It's like a 40-foot cliff. Yeah. I, and, like, I, do- I dove off of, like, a 95-foot cliff. Like, you don't just dive off cliffs unless you're positive that it's really deep water. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. that shit's scary. Mm-hmm. But I, that, that same scene was at the very beginning. That, like, opened up the episode, and then it played again. Right, and he, they the find episode. Kate. Yeah, and they closes it out, but then it continues on for a little bit. Yeah, like yeah. in the beginning, it stops when Kate says, "Like, did we make it or something?" Yeah, and then uh, it plays for like another minute or two up until Jin shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the end. Oh, we we didn't bring up John Locke. So they we mm. it's revealed that John Locke hanged himself and is in a his body is in a coffin in a butcher shop. Which is really weird to me. <laughs> really yeah. disturbing. Right. Matthew Fox, uh, Jack goes to this butcher shop to pick up the body. And there's like a really creepy butcher <laughs> yeah. there who like, she's just like this very well-dressed young small woman or like medium age, like small woman. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to go pull around the van. I'll be back in five minutes. And it's like, it clearly <laughs> seems like a setup. Like he's going to get killed yeah. or like just killed by a bunch of like Libyans, like thinking <laughs> back to the future or something. Right. But like, it's not, it's just a weird moment. It's like, what the fuck is John Locke doing in a butcher shop? Why are there only like three dead pigs in this gigantic freezer? <laughs> like what is, what is happening in here? It, like, it's we... one of those things where it's like, okay, so this is obviously uh, some sort of criminal front, right? but you guys aren't even trying. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And like, because what kind of criminal front puts the bodies in coffins? <laughs> like, coffins are fucking expensive. Like, that's why they sell like five or ten thousand dollar life insurance policies because it just pays for the coffin yeah. and for the burial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's weird is that like they eventually show John Locke's face, but like. So when, when dead people die, right, they start to decompose mm. really quickly. Right. And there's actually a lot of stuff you have to do to the face and to the body to make it keep looking mm. alive. Like, they put stuff under the eyelids to keep the eyelids, like, rounded. Because the eyelid, the eyes essentially, eyeballs, like, deflate. Yeah, Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, so you have to, like, put these little plastic things underneath them to make it look like their eyes are closed. And he still had all that. <laughs> Don't they also sew the mouth closed? Yeah. Yeah, to keep and the soul in. It's yeah. so, and they put all this makeup on there. So whatever, like criminal front was there, they clearly <laughs> hired somebody who's like, "Look, I'm not just gonna skip. Yeah. Out. I'm just, yeah. I'm just gonna skimp on this, right? Right? Like, look, I understand you're a bunch of mobsters. You're doing this under the table. My name is on this guy. <laughs> they're like, what? And they're like, yeah, my name is on this. I wrote it on the bottom of his foot, like Andy, right? <laughs> like right. Toy Story. <laughs> Andy, professional mortician, <laughs> with like the D backwards. Yeah. The same way. <laughs> 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 we see there's a scene at the uh, airport before they get on the Ajira flight where Hurley buys um, <laughs> a bunch of coach tickets. Yeah, he's already seats. bought 79 tickets. He's yeah. bought 79 tickets. Oh, crap. Okay, Maybe I need to get the number. Is, uh, he needs one for his guitar case. Yeah, that's true. You do <laughs> oh, have yeah. to pay for those. Because they're like, oh, it's calling standby. And he like runs up there. He's like, wait, why is there standby? And she goes, well, there are like. 78 open seats he goes no i bought all those mm. check it <laughs> and the the that was like one of the neatest like parts of writing for this whole episode mm. is the woman that works for this airline is like why did you buy 78 <laughs> seats and why don't you want anyone sitting there and and it's really neat because hurley like thinks about it. he's trying to think of a reason why and he's like well because uh I did it. It doesn't look, it doesn't matter why I did it. And it's great because in this episode of TV where everything is weighed down with so much weight Mm. and meaning and purposefulness, like in the whole, you know, first two thirds of the movie, there are no wasted lines. Every line like specifically means something important. 
And then here's this great moment of Hurley just being like, I, uh, it doesn't matter, right? I bought the tickets. I don't want anyone sitting in them. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, that that's perfect. It, it, it is a very establishing sort of thing for Hurley because uh, they always need to remind you, uh, he's dumb. He's not good at explaining <laughs> So there's things. that. Well, he was he's a fat guy in TV, so I kind of assumed he was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that scenario. That's one way to to kind of to kind of gauge this thing. And also it kind of gives us shades that um later on in the series at the end, Hurley goes on to become the protector of the island, the the sole protector of the island, and uh he becomes the de facto leader of the island. Yeah. And this kind of just gives you another glimpse into what kind of person Hurley is, which is a caring one. Like, because he looks behind him and he looks into the terminal and he sees, like, kids and, mm-hmm. and teenagers and mothers and yeah. stuff like that. And Why be- are they all going to Guam? <laughs> right. Why like, are they all going like, to like, Guam? They- <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know, that's a good I question. Guess it, and maybe they're all, like, military or uh, military uh, families and they're going to keep <laughs> occupying Guam, I guess. <laughs> and maybe he just wanted to protect Guam. He's like, they they got all those great Guam. land crabs. Like, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't pass up a good land <laughs> crab like what who are you kidding here my fifth grade teacher lived in guam for a long time and like married a, a woman from guam i i was gonna say guamish but that doesn't sound that doesn't sound it's right it's uh, yeah. guamanian or chamorro yeah, depending Chimorro. on whether or not they're ethnically uh from guam or if they're just people that live on there okay i knew chamorro was a thing and that they lived on guam i did not i knew that there was like something specific about them it, but it's like know. people that live in Hawaii and Kanakamaoli. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, and so what he always, what he told us was that apparently people in Guam uh, don't have like a concept of tomorrow, or like their concept of tomorrow is like slightly different than ours. Hmm. Like today's Thursday, so tomorrow for us would be Friday, but for them tomorrow just means the next day. Oh. So apparently his brother-in-law would like borrow his uh, borrow his like lawnmower and be like, yeah, 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 I'll bring it back to you tomorrow, and then you know come the next day and be like. Hey, can I have my lawnmower? It's like, well, it's not tomorrow yet. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's like the, the sign that says free, free cheeseburgers tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like if somebody asked you to buy them a cheeseburger d- today. Yeah. For Gladly pay you Tuesday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like my, my neighbor who's uh, who has a bumper sticker on his giant car that says, uh, you know, like, free West Papua. And so I walk out and I, went, I was like, oh, your sticker goes, thanks. I'm like, I'll take one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like, I thought that showed restraint because I only wanted one. Right? I could have been like, I'll, I'll take, take seven. I'll take all of them. Like, I don't know. Can I have some one. of your Papua, please? I just uh, sorry, uh, that's a little too Eastern for me. If you could, uh, <laughs> I just want how, how the Western one. How much is it for North Papua? <laughs> mm, that's a little expensive. There's a, there's a whole little thing that happens with Jack and the letter. I guess we can talk about that for a quick second. What the, <laughs> fuck? the fuck is up with that this letter? That was phenomenal. So they find out when he like looks at John Locke's body that he sees like the letter in his jacket. Or does he put it in? He puts it on there. He, he like, puts, puts it in there because someone gave pocket. it to him. Oh, was yeah, it Eloise? Eloise? Yeah, Eloise gave it to him. And so when he's on the plane, a stewardess comes up and says, uh, Mr. Shepard, uh, they were searching your uh, your cargo, which they did. They did right. tell him that earlier. Right? You know they that did say, dead body. Hey, when that he was, dead body when that he you was have? making the significant glances at Kate and not paying attention. <laughs> exactly. He, the guy was like, uh, "I know you have a dead body. We are gonna have to search that, though. Like, you know, nine eleven and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> we are gonna have to search your dead body." And so the stewardess comes up and is like, uh, "We were searching your cargo and we found this, and we thought you might want it." And it's the letter. It's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> it's like a some. It's like a stewardess came up to me and was like. Uh, sir, this flight is 10 hours long. We found this extra pair of Perry Ellis boxer briefs uh, with Tuesday written on the label. Uh, we thought you might like them because when we cross the international dateline, it will be Tuesday. You're going to so need these Perry Ellis. You are going to need this. We thought you might like them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like how the guy at the counter tells Jack, he goes, oh, we're going to have to check the cargo. But don't worry. It's respectful. I mean, like, which made me think, like, immediately that they're smacking up this corpse in the face. <laughs> they're not doing it, but I'm thinking it because they said it. When he said, they're, don't worry, they're going to be respectful, I feel like what he was trying to say is, don't worry, we're not going to search his asshole. <laughs> we're not like going to stick our hand in a corpse's ass. I feel like it's sort of like when you, when you fly United now, and they're like, 
don't worry. Like, we'll we'll be sure to be very polite with your young son. It means, like, don't worry, we're not going to punch him in the face. <laughs> don't worry, we're not going to punch him yeah. and drag him off no. violently. We know we've been guilty of not doing that in the past, <laughs> but we're promising this time we'll be good. Like, look, it's no a toddler punch you. Yeah. <laughs> I know you read all those tweets about people being found, like, upside down and reverse and switching the clothes of the old ladies and old dudes, but that's well past us. We don't do that anymore. Well, Jack does open the letter, and it's just a single sentence from Locke, and it just says, I wish you had believed me, and that's all. I don't know what the fuck that means, but it's very passive aggressive. (laughs) I wish, like, you can tell that John Locke's not from Minnesota, though, because he would have definitely said, I bet you wish you would have believed me. That's great. I bet you wish you had believed me now. Or I guess, oh, you know, I bet you wish you would have believed me now, eh? Now Do they are. actually write like that in Minnesota? Oh, yeah. Well, you would write Betcha, B-E-T-C-H-A. Okay. Oh, my God. I just I want so badly for there to be a, uh, a Minnesota letter <laughs> from John Locke to Jack. Um, yeah, so there's all that. I yeah. think, well, that whole thing happens with the letter. I think okay. Ben is there for a second, gives him some time and privacy. So the thing that, that really bothered me in this episode, they're not really bothered me. It actually just occurred to me. But so... They say the M right at the beginning tells them like you need to recreate it as close as possible. And then when they're on the flight, it's just them. Weren't there other people (laughs) in first class when they first crashed in Lost? Also, they probably weren't even in first class. Yeah, right. Don't they have to worry about all the? Because they were like, you have to make it as close to the original plane as possible. But she never actually said like, but only for named characters. All the other random people you see at the very beginning of the first episode of Lost or whatever, yeah, no, fuck those guys, don't yeah. worry. They're like, no, but you need to have something of your dad's <laughs> that you gave to John Locke, yeah. otherwise it won't be close enough. It's like, well, what about the other 7,800-some people yeah. on the plane? They're like, uh, they don't have names, they're not yeah. people. Just do your best. Yeah. Just do your best. I, well, I think all those people have either died or they're still on the island, so yeah. Yeah, what, what can you do about Maybe that? Maybe it's a little like uh, a little Calvinism, mm-hmm. yeah? A little predestination. They're like, oh, well, those people weren't the chosen ones. Oh. They weren't. They didn't have that uh, that mandate from heaven. Yeah, their right? names weren't carved into the wall of a cave. Exactly. <laughs> or a lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or on the Show side of a polar bear. Man. I don't know other other right. lost things. Right. There's yeah, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, so I'll we'll, we'll try and dance around this, but I think the show tries to do something like that where there may be other characters introduced but like that are supposed to be on the plane that mm. this happens at a later date and and that thing just infuriated the fans because you have your people that you're following right and then you know and then just so happens like what if these people had a story too and then <laughs> well it's like game of thrones right you're three books in all of a sudden it's throwing a new character at you and you're like what i don't i don't care about them <laughs> i don't need another i don't need to know another sir why do exactly. i need to know another knight just i know all the knights i need to spell know. it with an eye damn it <laughs> what are you doing why is your sir spilled weird <laughs> Well, that's also like how uh, in Game of Thrones they don't call uh, people that rape rapists. They call them rapers. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so one one thing that, that is a very important question I have. Does Daniel Day Kim, like, trim his eyebrows? Because he didn't huh. have, like, hair on his eyebrows. He, ha- he had, like, that kind of bluish stubble eyebrows. That's a good question. Huh. Like I never took notice of that. Yeah. It was it looked really bizarre. And I'm wondering because like I am like of like somewhat Vikingy ancestry and I have like <laughs> my face shape is designed that water goes straight into my eyes. Like it's clear that where my people came from, the oceans meant that you would just die. <laughs> Right? I'm not like, it's not like you don't frolic in the oceans of Sweden and Norway, right? Like, I think that. You brave them to bring death to others. Exactly. But if you (laughs) fall in, I think, like, you you just die immediately or you freeze up hypothermia immediately. And so I think my, like, my my genetics are designed to just, like, just blind them. Just blind them right away. Don't let them see whatever terrible sea monsters are about to eat them. Don't let them see the Arctic Sea. Just blind them immediately. (laughs) Right? Unless, of course, I guess they're the shrieking eels and then Mm -hmm. hearing them is the worst part. (laughs) But, like, but he just... So I feel like my eyebrows, like, keep some of the sweat away. And on this island, like, Daniel Day Kim, he looks like, just like somebody, like, he went Super Saiyan 3. And his <laughs> eyebrows just, like, disappeared. That's like, incredible. 
sucked back into his forehead. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder. I'm not even sure. But then that is something worth noting, I guess, next yeah. time we see him. Right? I feel like looking at him in uh, promos of Hawaii Five O and stuff, he has, like, darker eyebrows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just putting it out there, Daniel Day Kim, Selene Island, please fight David K. Jones. Yeah, before you leave. Yeah. Please get into a hand-to-hand <laughs> fisticuffs with one DKJ, yeah. please. Please. We're asking you politely. Yeah. This is a yeah, nice we're not, we're not demanding this anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like, all right, look, here here goes. I'm going to actually get on my knees. <laughs> yep, Chad's getting on his knees, yep. guys. I'm going to walk you through this. Is that why you're wearing those volleyball knee pads? <laughs> yes, because I really, really want Daniel Day Kim to fight David K. Jones. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> I am on my knees. I'm begging you, Mr. Kim. <laughs> Wait, can I ask why? Do you have a problem with them? Um, or, is it like, uh, or is it like big fan? It's uh, it's halfway in between in that I don't really have much of an opinion about him other than I want to fight him. Yeah, it's like that's the you're not like enough. secretly in love with him, and it's... you're just like I just want to find a way to get an enclosed space where silk shorts <laughs> and like and just like ooh, yeah, I just want to know what he smells like and feels like against it's... my body. <laughs> it's like when you're at the base of a mountain, and you're like I'm gonna fucking hike that thing. Yeah. I'm gonna hike it so good, and that's all you can think. I about. really so thought you were gonna answer end why do you want to fight Daniel Day Kim right. is. Because he's there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Like, I think because he's my because he doesn't know anyone else who's fought him. I think that's true. Is it because you don't think you can beat up Hurley, who's also on Hawaii? Yeah. I don't think I can beat up Daniel Day Kim either. That dude's in really good shape. He's in really good shape. good shape. Oh, my God. Like I don't think the four of us <laughs> can beat up Daniel Day Kim. <laughs> It's just going to be like some weird thing where he's just like flowing, throwing well, us against the wall. It depends, right? Are we doing like, like, uh, horde, like zombie horde tactics <laughs> where we all just sort of like, all like Chad wraps around his legs, like AJ grabs him by the shoulders and <laughs> will take him by the waist so that David can like hop just up on his, his like head? Out. Or are we doing like, like, uh, kung fu movie rules <laughs> where we stand around him in a circle and then one by one we try to fight him <laughs> and then get our asses kicked? I think. I would go for both. Like, we would start off standing in a circle, and then we would do one one by one, by one and then once it started After to go south... After we've all been kicked in the face, yeah, then exactly. we would just jump on him at yeah. the same time. <laughs> Couldn't we, like, lure him to, like, a bad part of Honolulu or something? <laughs> like, a really seedy part? And just be like, like hey, a is brand that new... Daniel Day Kim? <laughs> like, well, he's got a really nice watch. And then just sort of let the what, things run their course. What would be the best lure for Daniel Kim? Like, what could we put underneath a... <laughs> like a wooden crate with like a stick and some shit. I know. Maybe a contract that says that you'll be paid as much as the rest of your co-stars. <laughs> Respect oh for Asian American actors. Yeah. Exactly. And this is like a like a big like crate with a stick propping it up, and he's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's an official document saying. Or it says like that. we're gonna remake the Great Wall starring you or something like that. It's a kind like yeah. instead of uh, instead of one Matt Damon yeah. or Matt Damon. That's that's very interesting. <laughs> we'll put Grace Park and Ghost in the show. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. We'll just edit out, uh, edit out what's her name. Yeah, because we don't have any movies about Korean people to put these Korean people in. This is true. I mean, although Korea has, like, a huge, like, film, yeah. film culture. Like, they make a lot of cool movies. Yeah, like that baseball playing gorilla movie. <laughs> okay, that movie is awesome. It is. <laughs> I have seen the trailer. and But it's yeah. like a giant gorilla, mm-hmm. too, which yeah. is my favorite part. Like, he's like is Mighty that... Joe Young size. Right. Oh it's God. like... It's like a regular fucking gorilla is not going to be, like, strong enough to hit a home run. <laughs> it's like, no, we need to make this gorilla fucking huge. Yeah. Is that gorilla going to have... I don't know, I'm getting into the weeds here. He's going to have that the posture and the strength to, like, wield a, a bat. Well, like, doesn't he, he just, like, sit two-handed and he has it in one yeah. hand and just yeah. kind of, like... God damn. Imagine the strength of, like, a two-hander, a two-hander like, with this baseball bat. Well, oh, that would be, like, almost the whole... Bat. The whole bat, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he right. does have, like, not just regular gorilla hands, but, like, giant gorilla hands. Oh, yeah. get bats that are different sizes and, like, weigh differently? Because that, that's the problem with corking, oh. right? Mm-hmm. Is that it changes how much the bat weighs. Yeah. Doesn't he, like, fight a, like, a robot gorilla in this, this Korean <laughs> film? There's, like, a gorilla versus a robot gorilla? Like, what, like, some sort of gorilla John Henry? <laughs> or, yeah, or, like, a, a, gor- gorilla a mecha gorilla. Was little baby. <laughs> Sitting in his daddy. Tree. Oh, one last thing. I, we're getting ready to close <laughs> yeah. up here, but like, um, we we get introduced to like what's his face, the pilot Frank Lapidus. Yeah, mm-hmm. Frank Lapidus <laughs> always seems like he's trying to put the button on the scene. You ever <laughs> right. notice that? 
Like, it's just him going, like, we're not going to Guam, are we? And he, like, kind of has those big, bushy eyebrows. Yeah. yeah. Which is, like, he makes him the anti gin I guess. But. Right. I really I, like that description. He's trying to put the button on. Yeah. Right. He, he like, he's just like, we're done. We're yeah, done always talking. trying to get, like, the last word. Right. He's like, I'm done. I'm very tired. He's like, we're not going to Guam, are we? I'm not going to let you finish. Don't <laughs> exactly. respond to that. It's not a question. But, like, he looks so much like a like an old, like, 80s wrestler. <laughs> like, but, like, so, like, who aged out of it. He looked like, like, Ric Flair. In like the early 2000s, like that could, kind of bleached blonde hair nah. that swept back and but still. You can totally long. see him in like in like uh, in, in colorful boots and like spandex pants, <laughs> exactly, and like just arm streamers kind of tied around <laughs> his biceps. Talking about the good old days. <laughs> He's sitting there in the... In tassels. The, the, They're called tassels. tassels. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. Sorry, Chad. Yeah, Chad's there. sitting here trying to bite his tongue the hardest. He's like, there with his tassels. These motherfuckers don't know wrestling. He's just ready to... <laughs> arm streamers. Camel clutch. He's ready to camel clutch somebody. But they, they look like the kind of streamers like little kids have on their bikes. I, that's like, what I think. But I don't know. I'm not... I'm, I, I wish I was He has like a, a baseball more. card stuck into his boots. So that when he walks, it makes a cool sound. <laughs> oh, you, you called it tassels, like right, it was a little better for a while. You, you called it tassels, like that didn't make him sound more like a burlesque dancer. <laughs> uh, They're well, called pasties. Uh, <laughs> have some respect. They are. Did you guys have anything else for this episode? Is it Easter egg corner time? It's Easter egg corner time, yeah. Yes. AJ is actually the one that spotted this. Uh, at the airport, Hurley is reading mm. a comic book where all that uh, AJ saw of the cover was uh, Ombre Ultimo. Yeah. And you guys were like, what is that? And I'm like, that's Why the Last Man, written by Brian K. Vaughn, but who served Spanish. as a producer uh, on this show. Yeah, that's you awesome. brought it up before. Yeah, yeah that's nice. good catch. Cool. The whole episode opens up with Jack's eyeball just opening up. We uh, we go into the lamppost on the walls. They got a, one of those countdown flippy clocks, those old-timey clocks. Mm-hmm. There's a Virgin Mary statue in um, Eloise's office on a desk somewhere. Interesting. Like one of those little porcelain ones. Um, my friend's ex-wife was an extra in the <laughs> airport. And uh, da, da, da. Oh, man, we already talked about the rabbit. Oh, yeah. I have I have one. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, Ben, I think, is reading a copy of Ulysses. Yeah. yeah. Which is really neat, uh, which I've never read. I don't know shit about James Joyce, except for his love letters, which are the <laughs> dirtiest, raunchiest things. I actually have a couple excerpts pulled nice. up here. Please. This, this is like, this does say like adult content, <laughs> not safe for work, right? Yeah. James right. Joyce, the writer of Ulysses. <laughs> Famed writer wrote to his wife, My prick is still hot and stiff and quivering from the last brutal drive it has given you when a faint hymn is heard rising in tender, pitiful worship of you from the dim cloisters of my heart. (laughs) It's like, he, uh, he says, My love for you allows me to pray to the spirit of eternal beauty and tenderness mirrored in your eyes. Or... To fling you down under me on that soft belly of yours and fuck you up behind like a hog riding a sow, glorying in the open shame of your upturned dress and white girlish drawers and the confusion of your flushed cheeks and tangled hair. It's such like, there's such whiplash of like these beautiful moments in the dark cloistered bits of my heart. I want to fuck you. (laughs) Guys, I think I can't like stand pig. up for the rest of this podcast. It's <laughs> oh my god, this is so. I'd say are those are these letters hot or is it hot in here? But it is really hot in here, and I think we're going to die. Yeah. The last drop of seed has hardly been squirted up your cunts before it is over. And my true love for you, the love of my verses, the love of my eyes for your strange, luring eyes, comes blowing over my soul like a wind of spices. That like if you just read that second sentence, you'd be like, "That's so beautiful." But by the time it comes to the end of that paragraph, you kind of forget that it started with, "Yeah." Yeah, the last drop of cum that came out of your out of your cunt. Like, My cum, much like the spice must flow. So when he right. was writing these, was he doing it very... Uh... These are like personal letters yeah. to her. Oh, he was definitely writing them one-handed. <laughs> oh, oh, God. That's that's awesome. Was he like, oh, yeah, I nailed this being uh, romantic or uh, this is funny? I think right. they're supposed to be romantic, although some of them are like, tired of lying under a man one night, you tore off your chemise violently and began to ride me up and down. Perhaps the horn I had was not big enough for you, <laughs> for I remember that you bent down to my face and murmured tenderly, fuck up, love. 
fuck up, love. <laughs> like, that is disheartening. <laughs> if a woman was like, could you get deeper in there? I'd be like, I, what? That's amazing. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so good. I love that. Um, for everybody, if you want to hear Wait, Nick hold Murray... Wait, oh, There's one more. Please. His wife's name is Nora. Um, I hope... No- I I wish I could do an Irish accent so I could really like like top of the morning to you. I hope Nora will let off no end of her farts in my face so that I might know their smell also. Oh my god. Like it goes on and on like that, like like God please fart in my face. I love it. It's incredible. Okay, to hear more of this, please find Nick Murray on the internet. Nick, where can we find you? Uh my Twitter handle is at not Nick Murray. Um, and I'm also on a on a a fun, very dumb podcast with ch- one Chad Wago called the Golden Boys Podcast. Yes. So you can find us on there talking about uh, the Golden Girls and whatever else happens to cross our minds. Nice. So please listen to the Golden Boys Podcast. Subscribe to 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 it, and then also follow Nick on Twitter at not Nick Murray. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for helping. This is great, man. I'm, like we're getting a lot, like John Locke and like James Choice poems. <laughs> yeah. like, this is fucking awesome. Great. Hey, Chad, where can we find you? Uh, as always, you can find me on my website. That's negative1.net, negative O-N-E, uh, that's all spelled out, dot net. Perfect. And you can find me at anemus003 on Twitter. That's eh, mostly where I'm at. Yeah, and you can find me uh, on Twitter at DKJ Comedy, And you can follow the show on Twitter at WhatBroPod. And like we said earlier, we have uh, a uh, Instagram now. There's going to be a picture of us being very sweaty that we are going to post up very, <laughs> very soon. So uh, follow us there. And, and I feel like that. a dog trapped in a car. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you, if you made a, a podcast of what happened while a dog was trapped in a hot car, it would not sell well. <laughs> <No>. anyone, <laughs> anyone who downloaded that should be immediately reported to like the FBI. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. But okay, uh, yeah, so thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. Um, I think that's another episode in the can. You know what to do. Get lost. That John Locke wasn't in this fucking episode. Were you also mad that John Locke wasn't in cowboy boots with spurs in the back? Because that could have totally been a thing. I'm John Locke. Howdy, howdy, howdy. (laughs) But I'm so mad because, like, I don't know anything about Lost, but I know a lot relatively about John Locke the philosopher. (laughs) And so I was coming to this podcast. I was so excited because I'm like... John Locke's going to be talking about stuff. He's going to be doing stuff. <laughs> I'm going to get to look super fucking smart and talk about the social contract and human nature. Yeah, nope, I'm gonna get he's to come... just lying. I think he's just lying there. Well, I'll tell you what. Give us your favorite John Locke fact, the philosopher. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, so John, John Locke, uh, especially his second treatise on government, is essentially the basis for the Declaration of Independence in mm. the United States Constitution. Before him... Thomas Hobbes, who wrote The Leviathan, was like one of the biggest political philosophers of the time. Mm-hmm. And he sort of, and Hobbes, uh, who actually, Hobbes from Calvin and Hobbes named after, uh, started this idea of the, of the state of nature. He made that really popular. So when you write these political philosophy books, you have to say the state of nature of man is this, and you describe it. And he actually was the person, mm-hmm. Hobbes was the person who said life is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. And so Tom's, uh, Hobbes essentially said, everything fucking sucks, dick. Everything right? sucks and humans are awful. Exactly. And he's like, and so you have the divine right of kings, right? The monarchy out there who at some point God said, you're the king. So now everybody has to do that. Your ancestors at some point agree that this family line is king. So you're indebted to that. John Locke, on the other hand, took a really popularized this um, more... Uh, positive outlook on things. He said, you know, the state of nature of man is is good. It's essentially an anarcho-libertarian mm. society where everybody is responsible for themselves and you can get punished if you infringe on somebody's, like, rights essentially to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Interesting. I'm happy that you brought that up because, like, that kind of parallels with a lot of things that we see mm-hmm. kind of in Locke. Um, even the Hobbes portion, I would say more so the Hobbes portion, where everything sucks because a lot of the episodes that we've already seen with John Luck is just him having the worst time. It's always like he's 
the Charlie Brown and oh. the episode is the football that he never gets to kick. But please go on. Oh, and so the, the thing with John Locke is that, and so people sort of always said like, well, okay, well then what he anticipated the argument of like, well, if the state of nature of man is so great, why do we have government? And he said, well, the state of nature is great. The problem is state of nature is really bad at defending itself. So we have to build a social contract to defend these ideals. And so he he actually, unlike everybody else, right, Hobbes and all these all these other political philosophers up until Locke essentially all said, it's your duty. You are in the social contract. You have to take part in it. You don't have a choice. Locke was really really the guy who popularized the idea of it is your moral and social duty to overthrow tyrants because the the government actually has a responsibility to the people that it governs and that if it if it's not holding up its end of the bargain the people that are being governed by it have to overthrow it and like i said i don't know shit about loss right. but it seems like that's the kind of thing that like maybe john Locke would talk about but at the time it's a really yeah. revolutionary idea because he's one of the first really important people to come out and say hmm. you have to revolt i love that yeah. yeah i think that's i think that's awesome and i think that is pretty fairly descriptive at least you can see why they named the character definitely yeah Yeah. because a lot of those a lot of those elements kind of come into play with that character while he's alive and even in his death even though Mm. by means of his death it's it's a totally different thing that happens later in the show but yeah 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 that 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 pretty much describes Locke, i think to a pretty good degree yeah yeah Yeah, if you uh reading the second treatise on government it's really short it's like 50 60 pages it's really it's really neat (laughs) awesome like the so there's that we also know that the creators you know jj abrams carlton hughes damon lindelof when they were assigning names to characters they would always make sure to well the names of the characters weren't assigned haphazardly a lot of them have a deeper meaning or a name is you know related to something else we Mm -hmm. come across a a scientist named faraday and we come across um, a few other ones there's even a character that is purposely unnamed throughout the series and that serves a purpose too uh, I was almost named Darwin. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that would have been cool. I could have been a character on Lost. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I am kind of trapped on an island right now. So that's, that's true. And once, you, once you are stuck in the snow in Minneapolis, you'll be like, we have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you screaming out into the night. Exactly. We have to go back. <laughs>